Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Caroline, you should tell them about the newest thing that Bloody Happy Hour is doing. A Patreon. It's a Patreon. What is that? Um, that means you're basically like a VIP member and you get you get some perks. You maybe get like merch a little earlier. You get Or exclusive merch. Exclusive merch. You could get um first dibs on signing up for a live show you get episodes with no commercials you get our video because our video is no longer available on youtube it is only on patreon and the most important to me is you get videos of our live shows but also bonus episodes each month but if you're on a Patreon, you're VIP, you're going to get more. Because I always have a lot of details I want to go to. I can law explain. I might read a book. <laughs> this is also going to be the exclusive place that Dirty Chat is going to go to. In order to hear the full content, it's going to be Patreon. Where do they go again? Patreon.com slash bloody happy hour. Hey y'all, I'm April. And I'm Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Caroline, are you ready for this? This is your newest guilty pleasure. It's the bloodiest part of your week. Did we say something about it also being happy hour? Showed in. Because we about to be sipping on some murder. Bloody happy hour. Hey y'all, this is April. And this is Caroline. Thirsty Thursday, this is your bloody happy hour. Welcome to happy hour. Welcome to happy hour. It's, I'm so happy to be here. Yes. It's been a lovely week. Mm, no. Mm, oh, I It's been depressing. Yeah, it's actually, well, I mean, it's basically can be every week, but I have, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of painting and trial watching, so I've been so busy. Yeah, well, I've been doing a lot of crying. Oh no! Morning, Do you need something to paint? Sometimes no. when you paint, it makes you feel better. No, I don't have idle hands. Like I don't have to be doing something. Oh, to my with my <laughs> hands all the time. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, maybe you need to go run or something. Maybe. Mm, that never helps me. Mm. I mean, because I basically have to get knee replacement now that I overstretched my knee. Overstretched. Yeah, I overstretched. Well, that's why knees are so bad. Because I ran. I did. I just. I think it's just because I'm old and overstretched. So I'm one step closer to probably being murdered if I can't outrun them. You can't outrun them. That's all I thought about when I had my minor injury. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm not drinking my sorrows away. I'm just. I allow myself to be sad for a minute. You're letting yourself feel. Yes, that's what you're <laughs> supposed to do. Oh. <laughs> My therapist told me. <laughs> oh, well, glad to see it's working out for you better than the last therapist. 
<laughs> what did she tell you? I forgot. I forgot too, but she was fired real fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she told me <laughs> that she hadn't been to Walmart in 15 years because she had a bad panic attack in Walmart for whatever reason. And <laughs> she hadn't have gone give, back. No, you had to give her therapy, right? Damn near. <laughs> I was like, you're not supposed to be crazier than I am. You're not supposed to let me know that you're crazier than I am. And then she was like, it was like, I don't know, two years ago, which I don't know. I felt like COVID. Yeah. Like she was still like fully masked up and, and needed me to wear a mask. Oh. And she wasn't even black. Bring the black sanitizer, <laughs> bathe in it before yeah. you come. So all she wanted to talk about was like COVID and anxiety COVID. And I was just like. Hey, ma'am, it's my turn to talk. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, watching Netflix series. Here's your homework. And I was like, no. No, ma'am. Do not give me homework. Wow. So basically, I could be, I I could take her job. Yeah. She was shitty. telling me. Speaking of shitty, we're going to Massachusetts today. Choosh. Yeah. That's. I'm not going to say it because Robin gets mad at me every time. Um. I do have a question, so though. We'll butcher it, I'm sure. Yeah. What part of Massa- Mass- Massachusetts? <laughs> it says two shits. It's not going it, to. It's just going to have to be that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're just going to have to say it. Have, okay. This, this, I have a personal story that will link to this case. Hmm. I mean, not, not really, but. You know Dick Tracy? From the, like the, like movie? the movie? Yeah. yeah, like the guy with the raincoat and the fedora yeah, and like yeah. the glasses or whatever. I met Black Dick Tracy. Like <laughs> recently? Yes. <laughs> Not in that way. Uh-huh. But at the IGA. <laughs> at the local IGA? At the local IGA. He I was, was dressed in a zook suit like that? This man was walking the aisles of IGA. And he is wearing this long raincoat, <laughs> trench coat, with the fedora. Was it a Sunday? It's basically, he was either a pimp I, or came from church. <laughs> I don't know what day it was. It was probably like a Thursday. I don't know what day it was. He had his little basket, and he was slow walking, and he had sunglasses on. But let me tell you, he had the widest teeth, and the best, he had some good teeth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was the slowest talker, and he stopped me as I'm getting my wine out of the aisle and trying to escape to probably get some ice cream or something. I don't know. And he asked me, ma'am, 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 do you play volleyball? <laughs> I was like... This is an odd question. Like, I used to get that 10 years ago when I'm like, what? I, I don't know. I, I guess it's just because I'm tall. Okay. Here's my question. Okay. It goes on to like, he keeps asking me these random questions, and I'm like, no, I've never played volleyball. And I try to go away. Then he asks me another question right away, and then I have to answer. And then he asks me my name, and it. It's just, he's just, he has these glasses on and he's in this like covert outfit. And I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. You're going to try to to corner me and get me to come out and help you with milk to your car. (laughs) And then you're going to push me in. It's going to be the whole thing. Ted Bundy. And I was just, yes. What if he had a broken? Did you panic? No. You told him your name? Yes. First name's not bad. I know. And then I thought he was going to ask me for, what 
what do you do if that's happens? You just walk away? If what if they're like, Oh well Caroline what? I'm always oh I'll say doe. <laughs> Caroline Doe. Joe. No. I, I there's I, nothing wrong with saying cause last name <coughs> because they usually know somebody in the I don't know. I'm just saying it was very awkward and I was like, okay, I am fully aware that I could be a victim of mm -hmm. murder. I could be murdered right now in the IG. Did you have on shorts? He might just light your legs and he was this is his way of talking to you. I know to he seemed you. very nice, but but then again, I that's me to be like, Oh, you're like you're cute staying guy. away. He like <laughs> he was like very good looking. He was a pimp. He was trying to pimp you. I out. think he was a pimp. <laughs> and now I'm, I kind of want to go back. Yeah. How much money? I should have like leaned in a little more. Now that I think about it, because he had this weird little limp, but he did have a cane. It was probably tucked in the jacket. So I just know when I went to my car, I was like, okay. Don't be fumbling these keys. You push the button, you get in, close the door, turn on, and go. Because that's what you're <laughs> supposed to do. Don't fumble your keys in the parking lot of the mall. Yeah. Don't sit there idly because they can jump in. Like we do every time we leave here. Mm. <laughs> well, this is where they'll get us, all the homeless people. I know. So that leads me to this story of... Dick Tracy? No, but a uh, knife yielding... Is it yielding or wielding? If you're knife yielding, wielding, you yield you a knife or it wield a knife. You wrote it. Well, it's like how about throwing? He was just a knife carrying maniac who was hunting humans. Okay. And it What's was complete name? strangers. Okay. So that's why I thought about this Dick Tracy who I met at IGA, and I was like, well, that's why I didn't trust a stranger. Is because that what Dick Tracy I, did? No, it made sense in my head. Oh, the stranger part. Yeah, Got the stranger it. part. I was waiting for the Dick Tracy <laughs> connection. <laughs> okay, so we're going to do it a little differently. We're going to start with the most recent one first, and then we're going to work our way. Just oh. listen to the story. Okay. So it's July 30th in Kelmsford, Massachusetts. Okay. See how fast I said that? July 30th, 2007. Mm. It's around 4 a.m., and this is a little small town near New England. You know, not over there. Over there. <laughs> New I England know. here. Uh, so Kevin and Janine, or G Kevin and Jeannie McDow, McDonough, <laughs> lived with their teenage kids. So they had two kids, Ryan and Shay. Kids had been out that night. The parents went out, like, kids went out with their friends. Parents went out to eat. Parents come back. They're watching baseball, waiting for the kids to come home. So the daughter comes home, Shay. She's the youngest one. She's 15. She comes home, um, and they keep their doors unlocked. It's a small town. It's just, there's, that's just what they do. So she comes in. She leaves the door unlocked because she knows that her brother's going to come home later. Well, um, oh, hell. She and she got home around 11:45, and so she goes in. She goes to uh, start getting ready for bed, but she was not aware that her brother was actually spending the night at a friend's house, and so he wasn't going to come home. So she didn't lock the door. Um, the next thing she knows is she remembers waking up in her bed with something cold on her neck, and she says, "Quote." good sign 
I thought it was a gun. I didn't know it was a knife. I just saw dark eyes and a mask. The man spoke in a voice I didn't recognize. He said, if you make any effing noise, I'm going to kill you. And that's when I went into panic mode, started kicking. I pushed my back against the bed, hoping to make as much noise as possible so that my parents would wake up and hear me. Mm, and it was still out. Now, a word from our sponsors. Kevin and Jeannie hear the noises. Okay. Coming from the daughter's room. They get out of the bed and they find this like huge like silhouette, black, dark silhouette, and that's all they can see. Um, and they see that there's this man holding a knife over their the body of the daughter, like yielding or wielding this knife, <laughs> whatever the word is. Uh, so they run to this figure and it, well, there's a little graphic coming up, but you know, what's what else? Um, Kevin, the dad immediately jumps on the guy. Okay. And jumps on the back while Jeannie, the mom grabs the knife blade what? She grabs the knife blade with her bare hand and did not let go. And she's holding this knife blade. She's holding it so hard that it cuts all the way to the bone. Ah! She was saving her baby. Yes. And she did not feel a thing because of all the adrenaline. Adrenaline obviously. rush. Yes. So dad's still on this guy's back. This guy is about 100 pounds heavier than the dad. Okay. And um, he's on the back. He yells out because the daughter is able to run away. And he's like yelling at her, call 911 and go get my gun. Ooh, it's like a movie. Yes. Well, the thing is, he doesn't have a gun. He just said that because he's smart. Okay. So he wanted this guy to be like on guard. So he's on the back of this guy who's way bigger than him. But in high school, Kevin was a wrestler. Yes. And so he knew that all he needed to do was get him into a chokehold. Yes. I knew your eyes would light up at that. So he throws, puts all of his body weight into it, pulls the guy to the ground, gets him in a chokehold, and chokes him out. Yay! Kevin's my hero. Kevin and Jeannie, with the hand fully bleeding, holding that knife, get the man restrained until police arrive. What? Why did she stab him a little bit? I'm sure they just wanted to keep him, because I guess he was unconscious at the point that time. Oh, yeah. I don't know what they that. tied him up or what, but I feel like they what? were... This is, like, ideal. This is, like, what you... What doesn't happen in movies, but yeah. this is what you want to happen. Yeah, and good news, there is a dateline of 48 Hours, The Neighbor Next Door, Nightmare Next Door, and all kinds of shows on it if you want to go Are watch they it. Is he a next door neighbor? Well, it was just, it's like one, a series on ID okay. or something. Oh, I think. okay. Yeah. So the police search the man, the big man, and they find Chinese throwing stars. <laughs> I don't Goodness. even know. And choking wire. Mm. It's like chicken wire, choking wire, uh, in his fanny pack that he was wearing. <laughs> and they identify him as 43-year-old 
long haul truck driver (laughs) from North Carolina. Uh, And they uh, dub him the highway killer. And his name is Adam Leroy Lane. Oh, Leroy. So go either way. Officers search his semi truck. And they find knives, a spotting scope, and a copy of a low-budget movie called Hunting Humans. Mm. It's one of my favorites. So we have Detective George Tyrus. And he's called onto this case. And they, uh, him and his detectives um, figure out that there had been uh, several 911 calls um, that, in that same area that, all that night. One call, police responded to a woman's house, and she reported to a person dressed up in black just lurking outside. Um, Another call was a woman saying that she heard or that she saw a man dressed in black standing in the yard in front of the window of her daughter's room and was looking at her daughter through the window. Um, And once the woman said that once he spotted her, like caught her looking at him, um, he ran to the front door, starts like manic, like just banging, bang, 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 just like banging on the door so frantically, and then like busts out the porch light and leaves. Mm. Then this the next nine one one call they get is the one that's from the McDonough's, McDonough's, McDonough. This literally could be a movie. Yes, love it. So they're, they're like back to back to back, like all these calls and stuff. So Adam Leroy Lane is then taken <laughs> to jail, and he is held without bail. So officers are, like, putting all hands on deck because they're, like, we got to figure out if this guy has been doing this in other areas. And he's a truck driver. Yes. He's doing it anywhere. Yes. So they say that his record in Massachusetts is clean. <laughs> She's like, I just this. And Detective Tyrus is was like, there's no way this is his first attempt at a home invasion. Like it was too like there's there's no way. It's too much. And he went to these multiple houses. Yes. Probably looking for a daughter and maybe test in the front door. So he just found one that was unlocked. Is that what he did? You are in the FBI. You're you are you have been promoted. <laughs> a few days later. Detective Tyrus, so he, he, they put out this like notice or bulletin or whatever to all this, these different departments in the state. And then they get a call from a detective out of New Jersey. Now, all these places, you know, they're real close together. Jeff Noble, he's the Detective Noble out there. And he said he happened to have been recently investigating a random murder that had just happened a day before then that McDonough attack. Okay. So this case he's looking at is. Monica Moroso. She's 38 years old. She lives alone in Bloomsbury, New Jersey. That sounds peaceful, Bloomsbury. Mm-mm, not anymore. She's a beautiful woman living her best life. She has a cleaning business uh, that she owns. She's independent. She has so many friends. She's social. She travels. She's an angel. And I'm sure she's also extremely Jolly. bubbly. Uh, I mean, she didn't make it. So she lived, this community was safe, it was friendly, it was cozy, everybody knew each other, and you could leave your doors unlocked and it was fine, until it wasn't fine. 
And on July 30th, one of her clients, who was, I guess, trying to get some cleaning done, calls her, is unable to reach her, calls the police just to do a welfare check because, you know, she's like, lives alone and just whatever. And police go over there, check to see if she's okay. They knock on the door. Nobody answers. But luckily, it was unlocked, so they just didn't really have to do much except for open the door and mm. go inside to start looking for her. Um, they look around. They don't see any signs of, <clears throat> like, a disturbance. No forced entry. Everything looked clean and put together until they open the door to her bedroom. Which is where they find the blood-soaked sheets and Monica's dead body. Is laying China on the stars? bed from a multiple China stars in her face. No, she doesn't. No. <laughs> what if it was a bunch of Chinese stars? Whatever these Chinese stars. Are those like... Those things you throw, yeah. What if it was like that? It was kind of like... I was thinking, does I, he not I use feel like I need to change the, his, change the story. No. <laughs> Well, it, it, he could have used those stars, but it was multiple stab wounds. It could have been stars, star, star. They wouldn't have been very wounds. deep, though. Well, yeah, it could have been. Those could have been part of it. I just know it was multiple stab wounds. Mm. So Detective Noble is like, I can't make sense of this murder. This make like I've talked to her family. I've talked to her friends. It does. There's, I've checked her dating history. I've, she's adored in this community. This makes no sense. I have no idea. Everybody loves their cleaning lady. Cleaning lady saves your life. Well, so I don't think she was the cleaning lady. She owned a cleaning business, so she probably didn't do the cleaning. Well, maybe she started off cleaning. <laughs> maybe. And <she> then <laughs> here's the MLM cleaning company. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, this bitch did not dust every crevasse in my house. So. So this detective, he goes back and forth from the crime scene multiple times because he's racking his brain. He's like, I cannot figure this out. This makes no sense. Then he realizes... Well, you know, at the end of her block, there is a truck stop, and it's also just off Interstate 78. Mm. And this is when he thinks there's all kinds of people out there all over the place frequenting this particular stop, and this could make this just huge, bigger, wider case that it could be anyone by now. But whenever he hears this all point, all its bulletin that goes out from the Massachusetts detective, he was like, wait a second now. This, this Massachusetts murder or uh, situation is describing a violent home invasion involving a truck driver. And so, you know, put two and two together love and it. we love got a it, connection here. So... He calls up that detective, Tyrus, and is like, hey, let's compare notes. And he was like, is there any way that y you still have access to the guy's truck or trailer? Um, because I want to see if there's any indication that he might have stopped in New Jersey. Because that's where this case was. Like, did he drive through? Are there any receipts? Like, what? What? Yes, love it. Love it. Love Noble. it. Love it. And he was like, well, uh, we still are in possession of it because they're processing it. And so they end up going back through it. He finds uh, truck logs, um, toll records, and some receipts. And one of the receipts was from the mm. truck stop in Bloomsbury, New Jersey, from July 29th, 2007, 
which was the day that Monica Damn. was murdered. Making connections. So Detective Noble's like, Tyros, I need to interview him. Can I interview him? And he was like, sure, but good luck getting him to talk because we haven't had any luck with that. So now this detective, this New Jersey detective goes up and he actually gets the guy to open up. Okay. And the guy says to him, the first thing he says to him is, this is going to kill my family. Of course. This guy is married with three children. Of course. So he goes on to admitting killing Monica Moroso in cold blood and says that after he parked his truck in that Bloomsbury truck stop, he walked around the neighborhood just jiggling doorknobs, waiting to see which one was open. <laughs> yep. Opportunist. Does he rape them? Is there signs of rape? He just gets off with the choking. He told police, I was looking for money. I was losing everything. I don't have much, didn't have much, and now I've lost everything, including my family. He said he crossed through several backyards. He stumbled upon her house, and it was wide open. So he said he rummaged through some rooms and her car before startling her in bed that she screamed and he tried to put her hand, his hand over her mouth, but she bit him. She was DTF or down to fight. Um, he said he did not remember the knife coming into play. Yeah. And somehow Monica rolled over on it and it slashed her throat. <laughs> Adam. No, that happens a lot. I mean, it's happened a couple times. He said, I thought maybe it was just a little scrape or something. Oh, just a scrape. And then he said, God, there was so much blood. She bled to death. I couldn't do nothing about it. And he claimed then to try to cover up the murder further by cutting the victim to make it appear like she was slain during a sex crime. He's lying. He said, I wanted to make it look like somebody, like something, somebody manic, like a sex crime. So I cut her in a couple of places, like between her legs and on her stomach. But he denied any sexual gratification from killing or committing any sex acts on any of the victims. And he said, quote, I love my wife very much. I ain't out for sexual joys. <laughs> Was anything missing at the house, though? It's not that I know of. So it says this confession was not okay. This confession was not the end of his story. Yeah. And it That's was the beginning the because 17 days before Monica was murdered in New Jersey, there was a murder in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Is that by each other? Probably. Everything's real close and stuff up there. You know, they're all I thought Pennsylvania was. Oh, New York and New Jersey's on the same side. And Mass and, and Boston. Boston. And okay. Wait, yeah, Boston's not close. a state. P Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, yeah. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona. Wait. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was the song. Oh, then on Friday 13th, 2007. Uh, it's never a good day, but it's kind of a great day because it's Friday the 13th. But for 42-year-old Darlene Ewalt, wasn't her best day. She's sitting on the patio outside of her home. She's talking on the phone. It's around 10 o'clock, and her husband, Todd, comes outside, and he's like, hey, babe, going to bed. And she's like, okay, I'll be off the phone in a minute, and I'll come up and go to bed. Uh, the next thing Todd knows, 
is he's waking up and his bedroom door is being busted open by flashlights and guns pointing at him and they storm his bedroom. What? So Todd thinks he's ha- being a victim of a home invasion because he doesn't know what's like, oh my, like, you know, he's just awoken out of his sleep. And then it wasn't until somebody was like, state trooper, you know. Okay. And it's within like minutes, he and his, he has a 20 year old son that was leaving, living at the house. So it's dad and 20 year old son, Nick, both get handcuffed. They must have been black. Is this black family? <laughs> I don't know. They get handcuffed. They're taken downstairs. They're questioned. They have no idea what's going on. The person she was on the phone with called 911. Oh my God, <laughs> you are so good. Uh, Todd says that as he's handcuffed and he's there in the living room, he looks out the window and on the patio, all he sees is flashes of lights, photographs being taken on the patio, which is where he knows his wife last was. And that's whenever uh, his you know biggest fears are like, oh, gosh, mm, something happened to, what my happened to my wife. And hours later, they probably handcuffed him to get them away from the scene so that they don't have to see it. Maybe like for their own good. That would you would think that until you don't. Because so finally the police tell him that Darlene has been murdered, brutally murdered. So this is what happened. Todd goes to sleep. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) Todd goes to sleep. And the guy that Darlene was on the phone with hears all of a sudden she says, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, four times, followed by muffled sounds. Then I would be like, okay, she's getting... Something good's going uh-huh. on over there if you're oh godding four times and then muffling sounds and then the phone cuts off. You're like, I'm gonna leave you at doing your thing, girl. No, no, <laughs> it wasn't like that. No, so she the call cuts out. The guy on the other line was so freaked out by what he heard. He gets his wife, they get in the car, they drive over there and they find her body stabbed to death on the patio and they call. 911 and they said she was stabbed in the neck so now we have todd who's the husband and nick who are who's the son they are considered suspects Mm. soon they focus it and they narrow it down to just todd and the da goes the uh local da goes on dateline and she says quote in this case we had a husband who was in the house who apparently didn't hear anything when his wife was killed on the back patio while she was on the phone with another man. Yes. Certainly the police wanted to talk to Mr. Ewalt back at the station and determine exactly what was going on at the residence. (laughs) So now Todd's in this like huge nightmare. He's a suspect in his wife's murder. Police ask him to take a lie detector test. He agrees. He fails it with flying colors. The police are like, "Uh, well, you failed it. And he's like, well, how did I fail it if I didn't commit the crime? And police are like, well, you tell us. And he's like, well, I don't have an explanation. And uh, that's the point where he gets an attorney and lawyers up because they're, they're going to pin it on him. Yes. And he has no clue what to even say. Yes. Family's on his side. They're like, no, this is not 
nothing like this will never ha- like no this town is great that he no family's behind him town's behind him everybody's behind him they know how much they will love each other and they had tight with the community a side piece no enemies no was who the side piece who he was on the who she was on the phone with no it was just like a friend of hers but he was married and hit the it was him and his wife who had come over to find her body so the friend that he was oh. that she was talking to was a married man i, I don't oh. they didn't go into it. said it was kurt maybe they're co-workers so that okay that's the darlene ewalt's family that with todd right yes so we go back in New Jersey where we have the Monica Moroso, you know, and her thing, her murder. So this detective now has this confession from Adam Lane, the killer, and but he still wants to work to build this like super tight ironclad case that they're that's Darlene Ewalt. Yeah. Oh, she white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so sh- so he uh, he sends knives. Okay, so they're trying to connect the cases now. Yes, and he wants to make sure it's ironclad. So he's like, um, he wants the knives that were on the body on Lane's body, Adam Lane's body, like on his person, and knives that are in the truck the trailer truck trailer and he wants both of those knives all, all the knives so he can get dna testing just to like solidify that their her dna is on the knife he was found in the trailer with the knife mm-hmm. in the study carrying a bottle of whatever yeah um and so they send those items off weeks later dna comes back it has monica's dna on the knives as well as Ewatts, Darlene Ewatts. So now that the DNA is on the knives that belong to this Adam Lane character, mm-hmm. husband Todd is no longer a suspect. But how long? Mm-hmm. How long has it been? How Not, long was he a suspect? It was 17 days before Monica got murdered. This ha- this murder happened in Pennsylvania. Oh, so. So it was a couple weeks yeah. that they were like dumbfounded. Okay. Then this, yeah. Imagine had this uh, uh, not happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's he says it exactly. So they find that they have um, do 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 um, also before even we get to that. Just days before Darlene was murdered, there was another woman named Patricia Brooks who was attacked in her uh, in her home, which was near the interstate. So he did a lot of attacking and right off the yes. interstate. So the night July seventeenth, Patricia Brooks wakes up to find a man standing in all black, um, stabbing her in the shoulder with a knife. Somehow she's able to get away from him uh, and or fight him off. She fights him off enough to where he runs off. She calls 911. Police arrive and they find discarded latex gloves like okay. before they get there. And they keep the gloves, send the gloves off for DNA testing. And those gloves come back with both Adam Lane, Adam Leroy Lane's DNA and... 
and, and Darlene's DNA. Oh, he reused the same blood gloves? I guess. Because this was just uh how many days before? I don't remember. But uh Patricia yeah, Patricia survives the attack and that's when they lay she is able to later identify Adam Leroy Lane in a police lineup. Mm. So he, this is Yay. this is all this New Coming Jersey together. noble detective noble putting all these pieces together. Puzzle pieces. So this is all what leads to the exoneration and um of Todd, mm-hmm. not yeah, he gets but but what the sh- shitty part of it is is he finds out about this stuff on the news. He didn't even know who. Wait, who? Husband Todd found out that he was that he's no longer no longer suspect. the suspect by, from on the news. So I guess the police just didn't call him. I don't know, but he's super relieved that he's no longer the like suspected of killing his wife when he hears about the McDonough McDonough McDonough. I can't whatever family in Massachusetts and um, he hears about them and how they fought off the captor of his wife's killer. Yeah. And he says, quote, I can't even begin to think of how bad it would have been if Lane was never caught. I think I would have been on trial for the murder of Mm -hmm. my wife. Yep. And they would have had no evidence to support that he didn't do it. I, you would have had to way, been, It would have just been like his. You got to yep, take his you word have for it. Beyond reasonable doubt. Gosh. So now we have the charges and the trial. And Adam Leroy Lane faces a laundry load list. <laughs> how do you say it? Laundry list of charges in multiple states. So there's a preliminary hearing related to the attack of the McDonough's. So the very first one I talked about. That is up first. And they are, so Jeannie McDonough, she shows up to the hearing, preliminary preliminary hearing, um, because she wants to see justice get served. Yes. This bitch grabbed that knife into the bone and about to kill her babies. She said that even though Lane terrified me, I wanted to face this guy down. I'm sorry, dude, but you can't just come into my house and attack my family. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to watch you every step of the way. What a badass. So the hearing does not result in a trial because Adam Lane takes a plea deal, and he's sentenced to 25 to 30 years in prison for attempted murder of Shay McDonough. Just for that. Yes. Okay. Next, he's tried for the murder of Monica. So you have to go to all these different places? Obviously. Yes. Yeah. And both the McDonough and the Ewalt's families are there in attending this trial. And so this is kind of where they become like this big tight-knit group. Mm. Uh, like they just lean on each other and supportive and they are going everywhere with each other and they are just like, Wow. You know, the, the Todd guy is just, like, so thankful that the McDonough's did this yes. and were able to stop the guy because that basically saved his life. And he also now knows the killer of this. I mean, it's just all these wow Yeah, he factors. would have had to come up with an Al story like Michael Peterson. Yeah, and he, yeah, he would have had to put the owl and the talons in the back of her head and be like, I've been seeing owls, and they have yeah. to get an owl expert, and we yeah. have the whole show over again. We've been a whole thing. So at the conclusion of Monica's trial, 
Lane is sentenced to 50 years in prison, which will run consecutively to the 25 to 30, which is in addition right after, to. Uh, right after, yep. okay. And he's already received. Um, 25 years. Yes. For the first one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then comes the next one, which is Darlene's, and he is sentenced to life in prison. Ooh. It is unclear why Adam Lane went on this killing spree. Yeah, because he didn't take shit. It was not All money. these women and murdering them. And one of the officers, I think it was Detective Noble, who said that he uh, thought that this guy was so dangerous because there really was no why. Yeah. So this is the only thing that we know about him from his past. Little to nothing is out there from his early life other than that he was born on August 6, 1964 in Jonesville, North Carolina. Carolina. Uh He dropped out of high school, got a job as a truck driver, and an occasional chicken plant worker. But according to family, friends, and acquaintances who knew him once... (laughs) Who well, <laughs> I don't think they know him anymore. He was a misogynist who behaved in a domineering and controlling manner toward women and others and expressed uh, the belief that women were below him. So he was a woman hater, the a real mm-hmm. life he man woman hater, and he probably was president of the club. He it was reported that he had anti-personality traits and he said that his behaviors centered around domination and control and manipulation towards women uh but also he acted this way towards men hmm. but control issue yes he basically has control issue one of the guys who was like a former truck rider driver with him i guess a ride along i don't know uh, said that he was always very argumentative. He was an angry person, and he despised women. So I don't know what his mama did to him, but wow. we don't know about it. He also had an ex-wife, Miriam. What did Miriam say? Miriam said he was verbally and physically abusive towards her throughout their marriage, and she also said that she witnessed him being very verbally and physically abusive towards his own biological mother. Mother... At the time of these killings, though, he was married and had three daughters. Yeah, dude. And they lived in a trailer. Damn. And that is the story of worthless piece of shit douchebag Adam Adam. Leroy Lane trying to be not anything like Dick Tracy, but just reminded me of a stranger (laughs) in an area, and you never know. Stranger danger. Moral of the story is lock your doors. And lock your doors. And sometimes, if you forget, just have a jaggedy handle that even if they try to turn it, it ain't going to open. And or have an alarm system that will at least go off. Or a ring camera that does not Dog. record. <laughs> does not record. Oh, my goodness. That cool. is scary. Those are the scariest. He's like our um, Th- Israel Keys. Yes. And... People always ask me what's the what's like the my worst like scariest case or whatever. But I and I always go back to him. But then I can't remember why because it's not ex- well. It was that case was because she was in the freezer for like days and kind of cut up. Right. Anyway, the point was it was 
it's the uh, it's the no mo ones mm-hmm. like a, a random. I just could be anybody at just, any like, point. What was the? You just be stabbing and yeah, because he went to old women to young girls, so it was at least women. But when it's truck drivers, it's always scary and it's always hard to find their trail. Like, yeah. What if there was more down south and it just wasn't connected on this bolo that they sent out or yeah. whatever? Wow. Truck drivers are scary. Long haul truck driver killer stories are scary. And, and this is many, yeah, opportunists. And this is, um, there's, you know, the I-35, well, there's not I-35. Is there I-35 killer? I don't know. There's, there's an I-45. There's an I-this killer. There's a highway, phantom freeway murder, uh-huh. the torso, whatever, all these different ones. I, I looked up highway killer or highway murder, and I found, like, a lot of different ones. So I think there's a lot that are called that. Yes. Um, <coughs> there was the one that I, face killer was a truck driver, wasn't he? <coughs> I just, oh, I've been on the serial killer the Happy kick. face, happy face killer. Yeah, did I do that one? So, yeah. That it was a wild one. Wow. So, there's your And it went too gory, but it was just... They would have never... If this family wasn't a badass, he would have just kept going. Yeah. They would have. kept going. And going. Wow. Yeah. Scary, scary, scary. Beware of truck drivers. Do you know that every... I live off of a... Um, off a highway, <coughs> like the highway that you go to College Station, uh-huh. the way that you go to College Station yep. six. six. I live off of that, so that's like my front yard. So every morning I get up and I look outside, and there's always a truck out there, okay. just pulled on the side of the road every morning. So e- they're either checking their, t- I don't know what they're doing, checking their tire or whatever. It's just on the side. It's not like. Do they have the cones out or what? Like they're well, and their lights are on, so something's happening. They don't stay for long. Yeah, but then I'm it's, like, oh, it's not a rest stop. It's just no on the s- pulled something over. happened. Yeah, they yeah. pulled over on the side of the road, but it's always directly in front of my house. Oh my so gosh. that's you never what's going to get like, me. Yeah, like or what if they just needed this? Oh, because there's this train right in front of. It goes right in oh, front of my house. Oh, you are in the prime I know, zone. I know. And like prime zone, crime zone. Our What's our next show. Listen to the and I'll tell. I'm gonna have to tell this story, but the railroad killer. Yes. And hell. Yes. He um, start working on it. Would get on the train and just get off at random places and go and live and go in these houses because he wanted. He was always really poor, so he wanted to live like the people lived. And he only killed if he got caught, like if they walked in on him. So, Swoopy's grandparents, like, that's whose house we live in now. When they bought it, they, it was their second house. So, their first house was in Dallas, and they had this house here. They had, when they would come back to Waco just to stay for the weekend, their food would be gone. The doors, like, somebody would break in and, like, eat their food and eat all their snacks and leave. So they thought it was probably somebody in the would hop off the train. You know, homeless people used to travel on trains, so they had to put bars on the windows. Do you still have those? No. (laughs) (laughs) They put bars on the windows. That was the first thing we did when we renovated. But I think about it every time. I was like, what if it was unheld? 
Ramirez. There's probably that's why they put the bars. It was probably him. Oh my god. That was his MO. I can't so believe people went in and really did eat their food and uh, stuff. It's like Golden State Killer they, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it's what Angel did. I know. <laughs> so I told my nephew Braxton that it actually was the serial killer. <laughs> so he says he gets freaked out every time the train oh comes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is. It's soothing those train sounds, you know, uh -huh. but they're also like really creepy. Yeah. I don't hear him anymore. I'm just numb <laughs> to it, but well, when I was growing you up, never like know. you know, in West, it's like there's all, everywhere you live, you hear the train. Yeah. Around, so. Yeah. Random, random, random. Okay, good story. Never heard of it. Never nope. probably would have stumbled on it. Nope. Well, good. Okay, so I'm going to put my story together. We're going to go to Florida next week. Caroline's going to bring all the news next Tuesday. Yep. And we will see you next week for another week of Bloody Happy Hour. Patreon, you will get a phone call episode. So that ought to be dropping here soon. And that is it. If you haven't subscribed to Patreon, do it now because... We're about to finish episode two and I record just realized it to what put it you out there. My phone call episode. <laughs> Delayed reaction. I know. I was thinking so hard. Like, what is the phone call <laughs> Okay, oh y'all. We will see okay. y'all in a week. Don't forget to stay aware. Stay alive. And always be don't trust Dick Tracy. <laughs> just kidding. BGTA. Always lock your doors. And always lock your doors. Bye, y'all. Bye. Hey, I'm Blair. And I'm Brittany. And we're the host of By the, the Cover, Cover Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> we cover everything from mysteries, thrillers, romance, chiclet, and even some smut. Don't forget the smut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're so excited to get this thing going and share this with you guys. We've been talking about this for months and it's finally, finally happening. Yes. Special shout out to Rogue Media for helping us with this. For sure. For <laughs> sure. You can find us on Instagram at by the cover underscore podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and TikTok, so don't forget to give us a follow on those two also. And we are so excited to dive into some of our favorite books and share those with you. We can't wait. Hope you love it. Hi, and welcome to Bustles and Bangers with your hostess, Rachel and Christopher. I love it when you say my name. And you didn't say hi. I didn't. You you just kept going. I'm going to introduce the book. I'm <laughs> not reading it. It's because I don't like reading. Girls like cowboy butts, you know, and those jeans don't hide anything. Mm. Find us on Instagram at Bustles and Bangers or on RogueMediaNetwork.com. Network.com.